0: Welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks, the what podcast where we are elevating the voice of women in basketball. I'm Tara.
1: And I'm Cassidy. Welcome to the show. We have a great show coming up and it's just Tara and I today talking hoops. But first things first, we're going to get started with our usual icebreaker and the Blazers are headed on a six game road trip. And I'm wondering, do you have any plane travel routines that you have, must have snacks or entertainment?
0: Gosh, you know, I really don't have much of one except for that I always listen to podcasts. I mean, uh, I kind of save up, depending on how long the flight is, I'll like save up some so I can listen to a bunch all in a row, like from often like a non-basketball related one. I listen to tons of basketball related podcasts all the time, but like when I'm on a road trip, I might save up like a bunch of episodes of You Must Remember This or one of the other podcasts that I listen to. But otherwise, that's about it for me. I don't know. Do you have a routine? Um, I definitely have a slight
1: routine. So this won't surprise anyone who knows me well. But before I get on any flight, pretty much any time of day, I get a coffee. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because I'm always cold on a plane and so I feel like a warm coffee is always helpful and then coffee is always helpful. So I always have coffee and then I download a million crossword puzzles to my phone so
0: I can just do them. Now, are you a chatty person on a plane or do you like to keep to yourself? It depends on the flight. I think it just depends
1: on the mood. I recently, more recently had a flight with someone who was very chatty next to us and it was not the most pleasant of experiences. <laughs>
0: so uh, I think I'm more of a solitude person after that recent experience. <laughs> yeah, I definitely had a chatter on my last flight as well. Yeah. But you know what? We're chatty people too, I guess. So that's true. Like, you know, we like chat in people's ears once a week. And so I guess it's the least that we can do is to sit next to somebody and listen to them talk on a flight, right? Yeah. <laughs> I guess <laughs> all right well, that was a great icebreaker, and uh I think the uh, wonder what the, I wonder what the blazers do i mean, I suppose i i think I think they probably i mean I can't even imagine doing the amount of travel that they have to do, but they also do it in comparative luxury, I guess compared to like mm-hmm. how we travel, so yeah. <laughs> it would be interesting to see what that's like, yeah. So over the last few weeks, we're recording this on Monday night, but it's not going to come out until Thursday. So we're Monday night right after the Blazers finally got their first home win against Atlanta. Seemed like that was a really long time coming. Yeah. (laughs) Been uh, a bit of a week. But in my opinion, there were a few moments that stand out. Um, How about you? What are some things that have stood out to you over the last week or so of Blazers ball?
1: Um. Well, of course, there's Dame scoring 60, but I think, I feel like just knowing Dame whenever he does something like that and they don't win, it just doesn't seem to matter to him, and so as a fan, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, but I think my big highlight has been kind of watching Nasir Little play a little bit. I think he has kind of maybe shown a few glimpses of things to come, and that has been really exciting. How about you?
0: Yeah, I'm... Really conflicted because I I said this on Twitter, like watching Dame score 60 and having the team lose and having him just walk off was extremely, I thought, sad and disturbing. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if he's thrown out there with a bunch of 20-year-old guys who are trying their hardest and developing and getting better as we watch him, that's like kind of fun to watch. So you know i I guess the good thing to take away is it's it seems to be constantly entertaining in terms of there's something to watch no matter what lineups are in Mm -hmm. and they're like I, i feel like i don't know if i'm being a pollyanna about this but like Watching those young guys develop is really fun. Anthony Simons, so great, is like everything that people have been saying, and I've been skeptical. I don't. I haven't been skeptical. I've just been like, I just want to wait. I don't want to rush into saying, you know, he's the future of the franchise or whatever. But like since since. Anthony came damerang has been all over, like Anthony Simons mm-hmm. has it. And I'm like, what do you mean by it? And he's like, you know, it's it. You know it when you see it. And I'm like, no, I want you to tell me exactly what you mean by it. <laughs> that's the kind of person that I am. Uh, but one of the things that he did say is like, someone who has it just makes it look easy. And that's exactly what things look like for Anthony Simons right now. And it's just a delight to watch. Like sometimes like I love watching Scowl, but I kind of hold my breath. Every time he has the ball, because, like, okay, is he going to remember what he's supposed to do? And he, a lot of times he does, and that's great and everything, and I'm happy for him. But, like, with Anfernee, I don't even worry about it. Like, mm-hmm. he he knows exactly what he needs to do. It's yeah, awesome. and I I love when, they like, Anfernee hits
1: a big shot and they cut to him. And you can tell there's, like, a balance of, like, wanting to smile but also wanting to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> Every time it happens, I'm like, oh, Anfernee, so good. I'm so excited to watch you. Yeah. It, well... Oh go ahead. It's it's so fun. He's just such a fun player and it's really it's really fun to see kind of the things he's taken from watching Damon CJ mm-hmm. and kind of comparing comparing those and seeing it kind of
0: in his own way. It's I love it. Well, and the way that they're involving him in multiple end of the game important shots like like he's an option now. Like the, it's yeah. not a oh, the the young guys out there maybe will cover him. It's like, mm-hmm. Anthony Simons is out there, cover him. You know, yeah. The other team doesn't get to not cover him. So Absolutely. that is just, and then like running out that three-guard lineup, which I know is probably not like sustainable for large chunks of time, mm-hmm. but that does seem to be causing the other teams some consternation. So that's that's been kind of fun. But who knows? What exciting things are going to happen on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week? <laughs> like I said, we're recording on Monday and there could be all kinds of great more highlights to talk about by the time this podcast comes out. But I did want to uh, find out what you have been enjoyed watching. But we're going to turn to a slightly not as uh, uplift, not happy topic. <laughs> we're going to be talking – some about injuries today because it seems like the injury bug has kind of finally caught up to Portland. And I'm knocking on wood and crossing my fingers and doing all those things that uh, you need to do to hope make sure that this is the end of the major injuries that the Blazers have sustained. Um, but mm-hmm. I thought it would be fun. Well, when you're talking about in- injuries, put, like, put a little <laughs> quotation marks around it. But I thought it would be interesting to share our own sports injury stories. Okay. I mean, not like we're pro athletes or anything, but, you know, I, I learned some things when I sustained an injury, which I'm not going to say translates to the NBA, but has made me think about some of the things that players might be going through when they are suffering injuries. So do you want to start with a sports injury story for of Cassidy Gemmett? Oh, yeah, Sure. So, um, I have a long ongoing,
1: uh, shoulder situation, uh, pretty much for the last, uh, what oh, goodness. I want to say 18, 19 years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So the first time that i had a major shoulder sur- or sh- shoulder injury i was playing soccer and i it was the last game of the season and i was like i hadn't scored that season because i've been playing a lot on defense and i was like i'm going to score this is my game i want to score in this game and so i was convinced i was going to score i had my coach put me up front i was so excited and i went up for a header And the person above me had already gone up for that header and was coming down from the header and uh, landed on my shoulder. And I dislocated it and proceeded to uh, (gasps) pop it back in myself, uh, which is very not, I don't recommend it. Um, And then I kept playing because I was so committed Cassidy. To getting a goal. And my my parents are on the, the sideline, kind of like watching, being like, wait, what what just happened? And my coach doesn't really know what happened. And then I'm getting in the car and I'm like, yeah, I think my shoulder popped like all the way out, but
0: I, I think I popped it back in. Um did you just like hold on to it for the rest of the game and keep trying to score?
1: Yeah, and I did score. So yeah. <laughs> so was it all worth it? <laughs> no. Um so then I continued to play on a pretty injured shoulder for a while. I go snowboarding for my first time ever. I do this really cool thing that I totally didn't intend to do, which was basically a backflip in the air on the bunny hill, landing directly on my shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cue a few months later, and I was uh, having surgery on that one. So I had uh, gone through the rehab process multiple times on my shoulder. Uh, so and how old are you at this point? Um at this point I'm 15. Okay. So pretty young in the world of and I dislocated my shoulder many time again before the surgery. Mm-hmm. So that, that age range from twelve to fifteen, I dislocated it uh, upwards of twenty times. <gasps> partially. Oh gosh. Um and so Learned a lot about the healing process and going through stuff. I also discovered that I'd kind of, because I'd been shooting on such a bum shoulder and messed up my shot. So my uh, hip was kind of out because I was mostly a basketball player. So kind of all craziness, but I learned that a really good post-surgery food while you're just hanging on the couch is peanut butter toast and honey. And uh, I recommend having all surgeries uh, planned around when the Olympics are happening.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, some, some, some (laughs) advice from someone who's been there. Now, when you see players who suffer injuries, or, you know, especially shoulder injuries, like what goes through your mind?
1: Oh, I can, I'm just like, I cringe. So I could not watch the Zach Collins one all the way through um, it just hurts. And I feel like it hurts more knowing what it feels like. And so you're like, I can't even imagine what it feels like to have like a grown NBA player fall on you, let alone a 12 year old girl. So, you know, it's, it, it's a big difference. And so I definitely cringe a lot when I see injuries like that. And then I also had a few concussions. So head injuries, I get really nervous about.
0: Right. Now you're a, a pretty serious, you know, ball player, as serious as you can get you know, in, in that age range. Yeah. How did it affect you, you know, when you couldn't do the sport that you loved?
1: It was a big deal. Um, I definitely, I spent a few years in high school managing the girls basketball team just cause I wasn't really able to play anymore. And so I kind of got my basketball in that way. And then I had to find another interest to kind of obsess over for a while and then got back into really watching basketball and paying more attention to basketball once I was back in
0: college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. So you can relate to to Zach at this time. Yes, like. very much so. At least in, in, in some ways. Yeah. Well, my injury story also comes from playing soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, it was two 2000- thousand. 15, and uh, I was in Las Vegas with my traveling soccer team. I was like 45 years old or so. And um, at this point, my team, we'd been playing together for many years, and we were feeling particularly, uh, I don't know, frisky that year. So instead of just entering in one division, we actually entered ourselves into two divisions. So we were playing. We were there to win the over-40 bracket, And then we also, just for fun, decided to play open. So, like, we were playing with all these 20-year-olds and just getting crushed in that bracket. But, like, we were there to win the over 40. So we were uh, getting ready. It was our ninth game in three days. No, ninth game in two days. And uh, it was for the over 40 championship because we had, like, been destroyed in the open division. But we were where we wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, halftime... We go in, and this is the championship game. We're up one to nothing, and oh wait, let me provide one more little piece of context. So it's 2015, and as you'll remember, that is the year yeah. that Lamarcus Aldridge uh, was going to decide where he was going to go in free agency, and this uh, this was like April. The Blazers were in the playoffs. I think they were. Uh, Getting beat by Golden State at the time, (laughs) and uh, it was it was several years ago, so I hadn't really figured out how to like follow the Blazers completely like on my phone. So I was still using newspapers, and um, like it was hard to get internet connections and stuff like that. So that morning, I woke up and I went to Starbucks and I bought a copy of the Oregonian. So I was in Vegas, but they had the Oregonian, so I bought that. And I opened it up to check the box scores to find out how the Blazers were doing. And there's a big feature article there. And the headline says LaMarcus Aldrich. And it was misspelled. And his journey to immovable. And they misspelled LaMarcus Aldrich's name. It was A-L-D-R-I-D-T-C-H. In the print edition of the Oregonian. Uh. And I was livid. Oh, my God. I was so, so, so mad. Because I was like a huge LaMarcus Aldridge fan. I was mm-hmm. holding out hope. You know, I wasn't one of those people who had figured out that he was moving on. I was like, if we can just talk him into staying, we'll be <laughs> able to keep LaMarcus Aldridge. So when they, when the, the paper of record for Portland misspelled his name, I lost my mind. And that entire day, anybody who would stop and listen, I gave him a big, huge speech about how mad I was. That they that they misspelled his name. They were trying to keep him, but they actually misspelled and printed his name. Oh my god, I was so mad. So anyway, back to the soccer game. So uh, we're up one nothing. It's halftime. I go in, and the next thing I remember is waking up, getting put into an ambulance. So I don't remember anything that happened. Mm-hmm. So this is what my friends told me happened. And uh, so apparently, the other team had a corner kick they i was stopper so i was at the top of the box and uh i went up and i headed it out and then i headed it out and then the girl that i was playing against headed me and i mm-hmm. just fell down and i like passed out and I, they say i was out for a while like a couple good solid couple of minutes and then i had a seizure and it was all very dramatic uh, and once i kind of started to like you know uh that all sort of abated, and I was kind of, like, groggy and sort of, like, waking up. My teammates were, like, asking me, like, you know, what's your name? Where are you? What's the date? And they were asking me all yeah. these things, and I didn't know what any of the answers were. And so finally, like, they were all freaking out, and I feel so bad for how bad my teammates must have felt when this was going on because it was probably really scary. But finally, the uh, uh, our team manager, she goes, Tara, who's your favorite trailblazer? And apparently my answer was Lamarcus Aldridge. A-L-D-R-I-D-G-E. <laughs> <laughs> you were gonna spell it right. <laughs> yeah. Like in my like totally concussed brain back in there, I knew how to spell Lamarcus Aldridge. And my teammates said that, like, once I did that, they all just like totally relaxed. Cause they're like, Tara is still in there somewhere. <laughs> She's gonna be okay. <laughs> But yeah, so that is my, uh, that's my biggest sports injury. And I have not really been able to get back out on the field since then. And that was like, you know, four years ago. It was for me, what I learned from it is how much of my identity was tied up in playing soccer. And I mean, and I'm just like, you know, I was like a 45 year old, you know, woman who played recreationally with my friends. I mean, I played a lot and we played at a pretty high level, but like. I was nothing compared to anything close to a professional or even, like, a high-level amateur athlete. And it devastated me to not be able mm-hmm. to do that anymore. So every time I see a player get injured, that's what I think is, like, oh, my gosh. Like, what if, you know, A, they've lost they've lost it at least temporarily, yeah. their, you know, what they've been able to do and what's made them who they are. And and that's what I think. Like when I was watch- when I was laying down, was watching Ner- use of Nurkic laying down there in pain, yeah. and I was just I was thinking about his how much he was wondering like, can I play basketball again? Yeah, and, and what that must have felt like. And maybe that didn't. Maybe he never ever worried about whether or not he'd play basketball again. Um, but that's what I always that's what I always go to because yeah. like how much when you think about how long some of these guys have been playing and like the the guy that i think about a lot is chris bosch mm-hmm. and like how he kept trying to come back and like nobody yeah. would nobody would let him play cuz he had this they're like dude you have a blood clot you could die like we don't want you to die you know, you know and all he, he wanted just, to do was play yeah like that must be so hard for yeah. for players yeah it's a, and that
1: just shows the heart too cuz i mean at that point you're so far beyond you know, you've already made a ton of money like in Chris Bosh's situation. He could have retired, he would have retired happily, but he just wanted to play for the love of the game. Mm-hmm. And I think that just that just screams to like the heart that is sports and yeah. what it provides for people.
0: Yeah. Well, like we talked about earlier, the Blazers have been bit by the injury bug lately, but over the last several years they've actually been pretty lucky. And I was doing some investigating tried to figure out like how do you measure that or, or what do you know And mm-hmm. I found out, oh my God, the funnest thing on the internet well maybe not <laughs> not the funnest, but the most fun injury related thing on the internet <laughs> yes um, it's on sport track and it's the cumulative injured list by injury type actually they can you can do it by a whole bunch of different things so I I have to amend I don't want to say fun most interesting. <laughs> Uh, Thing that I could find because you can go for any team over the last four years and see um, not only what you know how many cumulative games people have missed or teams have missed, but also like how much cash these players earned while they were injured, which is I would never say that they didn't obviously deserve to collect their paycheck. It's just very interesting to me like Mm -hmm. how much can accumulate. So do you have uh, any ideas where the Blazers are right now in terms of uh, games lost? Oh, man.
1: I feel like it feels worse than it is. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I mean, I, I think of all the players, though. Um,
0: I don't know. Are we, like, fifth? So – I don't know where they are compared to everybody else. Um, okay. But they right now are at 29 games lost due to injury. Um, and they are, you know, only 10 games into the season. So that doesn't seem great. Yeah. So last year, they had, let's see, in 2018, they had 77 total. And the person who missed the most games was Mo mm-hmm. And then the year before that, 2017, they lost 72 games. And then 2016 was a big year. They actually lost 172 mm-hmm. games. But a huge chunk of that was Festus Azealy. Okay. So 172 games minus his 82 games. And these yeah. are regular season games. Uh you know that would bring them down a little bit more in line with with where they have been. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Blazers are not doing great in that in that yeah. way this year. But they have had a good history. Do you remember a couple of years ago when the Blazers, like they always do, outperformed expectations and people were talking about? Well, they kept meeting everybody when they were injured
1: oh yeah that was so annoying because it's like injuries are part of the game yeah and so it's Welcome staying to healthy. life <laughs> yeah and we have a great i mean i feel like our trainer is great mm-hmm. from everything we can tell because we have players that it seems like players feel cared for and they're getting treatment to return and we've seen it happen a few times especially in the 10 years that we've had jeff clark and so i think a lot of credit goes to that team for keeping the Blazers healthy.
0: Yeah, and I, I I believe that it's obviously a combination of things, um, mm-hmm. and you know a lot of it is luck, and a lot of it is you know unfortunate luck for the other teams. But yeah, like when that narrative just kept coming up that well the Blazers are you know just playing against injured teams, I kept thinking there's got we got to give some credit. To Mm -hmm. the training staff for helping the Blazers stay healthy while also maintaining a hard, you know, a tough load because we all know that Damon CJ have, you know, played a lot of minutes over Mm -hmm. the last several years and run a lot of miles, um, and for them to be able to stay healthy through all that, I'm knocking on wood like all over the place during this whole discussion, (laughs) (laughs) um, but it, it. does it seem to you for over the last couple of years that, like, in general, the league has seen more injuries? Yeah. And it feels like
1: there's been more big injuries, like injuries where we see people out for a whole season or the majority of a season. And I think last year, I feel like we could have been having this conversation just as easily at this point in the season last year because we saw so many quick injuries. And we saw that, or I guess, last not two years ago is really what I'm thinking because that's when Hayward went down. And that was, I mean, that was opening night, beginning of the game. And I feel like that set the tone for a lot of injury conversations the rest of the season, especially early on. Um, And I feel like we have a ton of injured teams again this year. I mean, what is it? Golden State has nine players out on injury. Yeah. That's a lot of players. Like, that's. And we're seeing a lot of players that are going to be out for four weeks, six weeks, you know, they're going to be reevaluated at this time or that time. And then we've also got players who just aren't going to play this season, like Durant or Clay Thompson. So I think I think there's definitely been somewhat of an increase.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. Yeah. So last year, Tom Haberstrow wrote an article and there's actually been several people have written articles in the, within like the last year or 18 months or so mm-hmm. about injuries. And um, what he did say in that article, which we will link to in the show notes, was that over the last several years, the NBA has recorded more games lost due to injury than um, ever before when they started keeping track of these stats. So they started really mm-hmm. keeping track of these stats and like – 2005 or six. And, you know, according to all of the legends, of course, you know, nobody before then ever missed a game, even if they had a broken leg, they played, right? These guys were so tough, right? Oh, yeah. Um, But anyway, going back to, of course, I'm being facetious, uh, going back to like 2005 (laughs) or six, this is over the last several years, they have recorded more games lost than ever before. Uh, 2018 was the first season where there were more than 5,000 total games lost throughout the league and then the following year was also more than 5000 another a couple interesting little nuggets out of that um just in terms of whether or not there is actually an increase in injuries um the average number of games per season missed by all stars has increased in the last few seasons and there's also been a big jump in games missed by the youngest players in the league mm-hmm. um which I that's guess interesting. Right, right.
1: Cuz I feel like the all-stars can partially be good, uh, attributed to load management to an extent. But when you look at younger players, not so much, and that's kind of frightening. Mhm. That we're seeing people face injuries that are going to kind of can linger for their whole careers that early in their career.
0: Mhm. Yeah, and you know, we'll maybe we'll get into a little bit about what some of the the reasons are that people are guessing because i don't think anybody knows for sure mm-hmm. yeah I, that's what one of the things i think that makes this all so hard is there's a combination of so much data mm-hmm. and also so much um what do you call it like not exposure but just like attention yeah to this so like how how much does it feel like there's more injuries just because we're we're paying more attention to it. And it's easier for us to like, look up and see exactly, you know, how many games the Blazers have lost due to leg injuries and how many they've lost Mm -hmm. due to knee injuries. Um, You know, so I don't know if it's as alarming as it seems. I kind of think it is. But um, I just, I always want to like, see the numbers and make sure that we're getting the full picture, but it's hard when the full picture is like so dense and noisy, (laughs) you know? So if you worked for the league, where would you even start in trying to figure out what to do about this problem?
1: Oh man.
0: So I think you have to start
1: with the younger generation. Like you have to start before they're even to high school or if they're in high school, starting there and really having people really well conditioned and not just like having that specialization conditioning of, you know, I shot that shot a million and a half times and now my shoulders bum. Like, and so I think maybe the way that professional soccer does it, how they have, they have the, the amateur or the young the youth teams that are kind of the high-end youth teams, and they are cared for kind of by an organization to an extent. And I think that that could be interesting because the NBA does have all this knowledge about helping with injuries and recovery time and all of this. So if that knowledge could be kind of passed down to the next generation earlier, uh, I think there's some preventative measures that could be taken. How so about it's a, you? It, yeah. Well, it oh, sounds yeah. like
0: you're thinking about, like, a, a holistic approach where you're, like, yeah. building an entire system mm-hmm. and that protects the players, you know, from a, a younger age. Yeah. Because
1: I think at some point that's the only thing that – I mean, I think that there are certain things you can maybe do and maybe there could be rule changes that could help this, that, or the next thing. But as a whole, that's probably the best way to help the majority of players coming in. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so I guess it kind of leads into the whys that mm-hmm. people have discussed. What are some of the ones that you've heard discussed about why there might be so many injuries? Um, I've
1: definitely heard the argument that, you know, oh, we just know about them now. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. We, we have all this technology, so we just know when the littlest injuries can happen. And then we are more in pre- into preventative care, which I think could be a big part of the numbers. But I also think that seeing the bigger injuries happen and seeing them happen younger kind of point to maybe needing that more holistic approach. Mm-hmm. What are some of the reasons
0: you've seen? So I I did uh, read a couple of our different articles by Tom Haberstroh. He had one that came out last year that made a really big splash, which I'll talk about in a sec. But before he talked about that one, uh, he wrote in 2018. He noticed that there was an increase going on and some of the things that he sort of investigated in talking to people about the league were – at that point was when they had shortened the preseason. Remember the okay. preseason yeah. used to be super long yeah, and then they, they uh, trimmed it down to like five or six games and – And then there was this whole spate of injuries. And so one of the things that some people, not everybody, but some people were saying that shortening the preseason meant that the players didn't have enough time to protect their bodies or get their Mm -hmm. bodies in shape for the full season. Another interesting premise that I heard was that the faster pace of the modern game... Was actually harder on players' bodies compared to in the past because that's just that many more possessions and that many more trips up and down the court Mm -hmm. were having some sort of an effect. But then the article that then back I'm sorry it was Baxter Holmes who wrote another article that I was uh, I attributed earlier to uh, Tom Haberstroh. Baxter Holmes wrote an article back in, uh, I think, July about the um, uh, the early specialization that is, you mm-hmm. know, brought on by the whole AAU system. And that, like, people kind of picked that one up and ran with it because it made a lot of sense that the players were starting too young. They were putting too much, you know, too too much time playing one sport. And as a result you know, their bodies were only able to to do one thing and they weren't, you know, they weren't balanced, you mm-hmm. know, back when in the old days when everybody played three sports or two sports or, you know, at least more than one sport, they had more balance in their bodies. But when you just do the same thing over and over and over again, that is uh, difficult for your body. And it was really interesting. Somebody made a comparison where he talked about sports cars and he said that, and this was a, a guy who uh, runs a like a sports clinic, and he said, when you like put a Ferrari engine into a hybrid car, like a Prius, like the Prius isn't ready to accommodate mm-hmm. the power of you know your Ferrari engine. Yeah. And, and and then another way he put it is that um, players are out jumping their ability to land and i was like oh my god that makes so much sense so they're yeah. they're they're faster they're stronger they can jump higher but all of those other and parts of your body which control uh you know balance and landing and all that stuff like your ankles and your tendons are not as strong as the ones that just make you go mm-hmm. yeah so that seems to be something that that people are really exploring and actually uh, lebron james had an interview out this weekend where he talked pretty extensively mm-hmm. about the aau and you know i think it's really interesting because lebron kobe you know guys in their late 30s 40s they now have kids going through the system yeah so they have an opportunity to change things so i'm very curious to see what they do
1: yeah i think and I think LeBron's going to be one of the more vocal ones. At the, I mean, he's already been pretty vocal about it. And so I think the more and more it happens, the more vocal we're going to get. And I think with Dwayne Wade retired, I think now would be a good time for him to start talking more about it, too. Yeah. 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 Let kids be kids sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let them go snowboarding right after (laughs) they. Yeah, Yeah. the non-specialization didn't work out so great for you.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I hurt myself in my my non-basketball related sports, Um, but I I definitely hurt myself a fair share amount. So,
0: but it's it's also interesting because all of this is like I don't I don't think there's just one answer. There's not one thing that's Mm -hmm. causing more injuries because like you know Aaron Baines falling on Steph Curry's hand you know, doesn't have anything to do with how much AAU ball (laughs) Steph Curry played. So I think, uh, you know, we get kind of fixated on the things that we think that we control and, um, you know, they sort of take over and they sometimes lead to changes, which like the one one that sticks in my mind that I keep asking myself about is the elimination of back-to-backs. I want to see the data that that shows whether or not that's successful. I think it's a a million things are contributing to more injuries. And I think one of the things that they've done that they've tried to help curtail some of that is by eliminating or reduce, sorry, not eliminating, but reducing the number of back-to-backs. But I look at the schedule sometimes and I wonder like, sometimes they go three weeks every other night. And I got to think that's got to be fatiguing yeah. Because you never get two whole days off or mm-hmm. you know, three days. Yeah. and I Yeah. Just,
1: it just – that just doesn't seem sustainable.
0: Yeah. Well, and how much did eliminate or reducing the number of back-to-backs, you know, lead to more flights or longer, yeah. like, weirder schedules where you're here and then you go fly away for one game and then come back for one game? Mm-hmm. And I just I, – I think it, it makes logical sense that reducing the number of back-to-backs has – got to be better Mm -hmm. but i also think that sometimes people like go and change rules or or change things and i want to see if it's working i want to yeah a few few years from now revisit whether or not like it's better to have less back-to-backs and go three entire weeks of every other day and no breaks Mm -hmm. i'm just not sure i just want to see that
1: I also think it would be. It's an, I've heard the. I've heard this brought up a few times by a few different people, and the idea of maybe extending the season, but not from a game standpoint. It just extending the amount of time that we're playing,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so. You know, instead of those finals being in June, having those finals be in early July and giving in an extra month of cushion room so that those games can be better spread out. And maybe you really can eliminate a back-to-back in that situation, but at the same time, giving those multiple days off. Because it feels like you need a recovery day, and then you frequently really want a practice day. And so when you're doing a back-to-back or a every other day, you really just get that recovery day, and you don't get that chance to practice or maybe do – more of the uh physical aspect of recovery, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I think it's I think it's all very interesting, and also, you know, there's talk every the beginning of every season there or end at the end as well, there's always talk about whether or not they're gonna reduce the number of games mm-hmm. and you know, I think there's reasons to do that, but I think that there's probably re- more reasons that they're not gonna do that, yeah because I don't know how much money people want to give up for that, and I think the money reason is probably bigger than the, but that's how we've always, you know, what's going to happen to stats? Like, oh, come on. There's there's people coming up with every kind of stat for everything. Somebody can, like, you know, make a formula to make them comparable. That's not the problem. The mm-hmm. problem is how much money our team's going to lose if they reduce the the number yeah. of games. Well, we shall see. Let us let us uh, put on the record that we hope everybody who is injured out there makes a complete recovery. Does not rush themselves back, because, um, like I said, when I was telling my story, like I can't imagine what it must be like when this is what you've preparing been preparing your whole life for, and what your job is, and all of that, and what people look to you for to have that taken away. Mm -hmm. even temporarily it's gotta be gotta be real hard well
1: moving on from our little injury note i think it might be time to check in a little bit from around the league and we're about 10 12 games into the season and i think we've got a few headlines from around the league that we've come up with uh so Without further ado, some headlines. Um, for Golden State, we came up with a little thing called Price of Gold Drops in San Francisco. It's been a tough season there. And I think um, I think the move to San Francisco just amplifies it because you're in a new arena, a new place. And now you're just not doing
0: great. Um, Except yeah. for when they play the Blazers.
1: Yeah, I don't want to talk about that.
0: <laughs> um. <laughs> well, I t- I, when we, we talked to Janelle about it and mm-hmm. – you know she was you know having a kind of having a hard time she she was like what am i supposed to write about this year and so she has settled on now writing about you know specifically players and how they're developing and i think it must be really interesting from their point of view when they've been watching superstars for so long to like adjust to okay we're going to watch a raw prospect now <laughs> we haven't yeah. seen this for a while <laughs>
1: I think it's going to be a, it's an, inter- an interesting adjustment period, and it makes me more and more grateful for the system the Blazers have for the young players. So it makes me more grateful for our team. For sure. Um, well, speaking of another young team, we've got New Orleans, and all I can think about when I'm watching them right now is just, trust the process. Round two. Um Uh, Just a a lot of belief in what's going to come and hopefully that their injuries don't linger too long. Uh, How do you think the
0: people of New Orleans are feeling? So, you know, what's really funny is when I was there for Summer League, I sat with a whole bunch of New Orleans Pelicans writers uh, from SB Nation. Like a whole bunch of them came because obviously like mm-hmm. Zion was there and they were all there to see Zion. And we all know that Zion played until the earthquake and then was done. And uh, but they, you know, went to all the subsequent games and they were so excited about the new players. Just the, like the, the youngest even mm-hmm. were not named Zion. And I was like kind of in my head like maybe not so graciously kind of laughing at him and just like oh come on and just like a week ago I watched a, a game and they're really fun yeah they are <laughs> I was like I I'm so sorry you guys I see what you mean yeah. you know it, it kind of goes back to like there's a lot of new young talent in the league and we've been so focused on a couple of teams and they're mm-hmm. superstars that we haven't watch new players develop and i just i think it's fun yeah
1: i agree i think new orleans is a really fun team to watch it's too bad they have not been on tv very much um yeah uh so one of the big stories of this week has been out of miami uh so for our miami headline we're going with miami flying high on multiple levels (laughs) um they're
0: actually playing pretty okay yeah, they're are they leading the East? Are they second in the East? They've they've been playing well.
1: So currently, Miami's in a fourth, but I feel like they're in a like a tie a million ways for a fourth. And Myers is doing pretty good. He's averaging about seven point seven points, uh, about four rebounds, uh, just under an assist a game. So maybe not the crazy numbers we saw the last game in the uh,
0: the playoffs for Myers, but some good numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one part of the story in Miami. Yeah. Um, But that other part's a little bit more interesting. So, so Dion Waiters (laughs) apparently had a panic attack on the flight that was caused by a gummy that he was given by a teammate. I mean, that's (laughs) what the story appears to be. And now he's been suspended by the team, not the league, He's been suspended by the team for conduct detrimental to the team. So what I want to know is, is he suspended because they think eating a gummy on a plane is conduct detrimental to the team? Or did he, like, do something during this that was, like, unacceptable behavior that they are like, no, you can't do that. doesn't matter, like, what condition you're in. Yeah, Because if conduct detrimental to the team is just eating a gummy – like, that's a Tuesday in Oregon. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I like, is, is that what well, – or, or did he do more? I, I don't know. I feel
1: like it's a buildup because there's already been suspensions this season. Um, and then this happens. And also, this 10-game suspension also happens to make it so they don't have to pay him a big bonus. Um, but I still think
0: it counts against Miami's uh, – uh, I still cap. think they have to I still think they're it's included in their cap yeah. like they don't get a take it off of their cap. Yeah. Included in their cap, they just don't have to spend the money. So um yeah, I
1: I feel like that there's gonna have to be a lot of league discussions about how they deal with these situations, especially because I feel like there's been so many this is not something we're testing for moments. Uh and then this becomes public and then there is a suspension, but there is no league suspension. So I don't know. This is going to be a storyline.
0: Well, also, like, what you're talking about the public is, like, who's the person who broke this news? And, like, is that personal health information of, that somebody is was sharing? Like... I don't know. I feel like there's mm-hmm. a, a line there. Like, I mean, I'm not like out. I'm not out there accusing anyone. I don't know. That's why I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just seemed like a little bit. Like, oh, okay. We're we're talking about, you know, saying that somebody on the team had a panic attack. That seems like explaining. I don't know more than maybe somebody wanted to release. I don't. Yeah. know. Um, that's not a knee injury, right? Like, and but you know, shout out to uh, waiters for not um giving up the teammate who gave it to him like yeah
1: i mean that's points against being conduct detrimental to a team i mean that's just positive
0: i know that's like showing teamwork yeah
1: so good 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 on you for the teamwork um yeah i think that's gonna that's just an interesting headline of the week i'll say (laughs) um and speaking of interesting (laughs) the new york knicks um the, are the Knicks about to nick it up?
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, last night on Sunday night, they got blown out by the Cavs and uh, sent out was it the general manager to answer questions? Yeah. The general manager did like a press conference. It was really upsetting. So I was trying to like think <sighs> about what that would be like. You know, if after the Blazers had lost that Golden State game, they were yeah. like, "No, Neil." You go out there and answer <laughs> questions.
1: It would be so awkward. Uh, the, and I just, I feel like they like the blame game a lot, the Knicks organization. But nobody seems to be pointing the blame up the chain of command, which seems to be where it might need to be pointed. So, yeah.
0: Like, like we- okay, fire Fizdale. What's that going to do for you? Your organization is a mess. I know, and, like, you know, what are you giving Fisdale to work with? I, I mean, I, I actually think they have they've a got a lot of young talent. they've got some talent there, but they like they need time to to gel. They need time to, you know, work through some stuff. But when you're messing with the coach when he's just trying to keep the team together and teach him basic fundamentals, like you're gonna bring in another one and disrupt it all over again. It just seems like something the Knicks would do, I guess. Yeah, we need to get somebody very- on from the Knicks organization. We we just to talked to China again. We mm-hmm. haven't talked to her for a while, and she always has entertaining stories about the Knicks. <laughs>
1: yeah, someone give us the dirt on the Knicks. We need yeah, it
0: absolutely.
1: Um, well, we talked a lot about injuries, uh, and this next lead headline definitely showcases that. In Washington, it's the wizarding world of injuries. Um, They've got all sorts of injuries, sidelining a lot of different players, and it's it's an interesting game to watch without all of their players.
0: Yeah, yeah. Fortunately for them, <laughs> they have a couple of other championships in the in the yeah. district. Uh, but did you see who was it who tweeted out when, after the Nationals won? You know they. Um, they like totally forgot about
1: completely forgot that the
0: mystics won that they had just won yeah i think i think people in the the district there should be very excited about the mystics and very patient with the wizards
1: absolutely i think that is a that'd be a great motto for them um (laughs) and they're very lucky to watch that mystics team play because that team is so fun to watch so go do it um and then from our friends in Milwaukee, Blazers East, looking good. <laughs> um, so many ex-Blazers on that team, and it's really fun to watch Rolo and Brello be on the same team as well.
0: Yeah, that team has a lot going for it as far as, I mean, you, you don't even have to call them a League Pass team, I think, because they have a lot of national games. Mm-hmm. Giannis is so fun to watch. And, you know, that kind of um, brings up one more one thing that i forgot to say when we were talking about the injuries thing is like with the talking about the specialization that happens so young um mm-hmm. with and you know that's why like brook, like people are rookies are getting into the league and they're basically already broken and like nba teams have to like rehab these guys who've been you mm-hmm. know doing mismanaging their bodies for years um, but there's players who came pretty late to the game, or some people say that in Europe they spend more time working on fundamentals than playing in games, and so their body doesn't have as much wear and tear. And I think Giannis is, you know, built differently. He's special, like yeah. he's, but he also, I don't think, has as many miles on his body, and maybe that's part of the reason why he's so tough. Mm-hmm. He just he's also just built like he's meant to play basketball (laughs) He has that mindset. That's just yeah, he just like eats basketball for (laughs) breakfast, lunch and dinner.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And he seems to love being in Milwaukee, which that takes a special person, too. So,
0: right. And, um, you know, people are already starting to talk about where is Giannis going to go? And like, why does everybody have to assume that every player is going to leave?
1: They only do it with small market teams for the most part, too. That's where it's really, like, pushed. It's like, oh, they're going to leave.
0: Right. It's not possible that Damian Lillard could actually mean it when he says that he's happy this year. And then they talk about, turn around and talk about Giannis and go, there's nobody who stayed with his team. They all go to a larger market. And, like, Uh is Damian Lillard chop liver? Like, (laughs) what is he? Like, oh, no, he's going to leave. So it's just like, I don't know. I think. I think sometimes we don't take what they're saying at face value and we apply our own narrative to what people are saying and make what they're saying fit what we think the narrative is rather than just sit back and believe, guys. You know, yeah. things change. Situations change. I mean, if the Blazers were to fall apart and something was going to happen with the team and Stotts left and all kinds of things, you know, I, could, I can definitely see situations under which Damian Lillard would move on. But nothing about the way that this team is going right now yeah. makes me think that he will leave or ask to be traded, which is, you know, something that happens all the time. The other night when Anfernee, uh took that three that mm-hmm. almost won them the game, not the Philadelphia one, but uh, a couple games later. Yeah. Um, Oh no, it was one that actually Anthony actually made. It was a close game situation. Maybe it was the beginning of the fourth and Anthony Anfernee- Anthony made a a three and like he did that thing where he stayed stone face, cold. Mm-hmm. And they showed the camera went to Dame, and you could see him like twitch a little bit, like he all like he almost smiled, but like no, he was like locked into game. But he just <laughs> he just looked so proud. <laughs> like, like I can't imagine Dame wanting to leave when he's got you know Anthony Simons to work with. How exciting is that? Yeah, that's that that alone is a selling point,
1: and then you add all the other selling points
0: for so. sure, absolutely. Well, I think we should end there on a high note. Absolutely. I think so, too. Before we go back into more injury talk. (laughs) Hopefully that got all the injury talk out of our system. We won't need to discuss it anymore because the team will get healthy and they will just uh, cruise through the rest of the season. I will stop talking about that right now. Uh, (laughs) What do we have uh, coming up? Why don't Cassidy, why don't you tell folks where they can find you? Well, they can find me on Twitter at Cassidy Gamet. Um,
1: we also love your emails. So you could send us an email with your icebreaker ideas, questions, or whatever you want us to know. Including maybe how you would spend a plane trip. Or if you know how a blazer spends a plane trip, tell us. Uh, our email is
0: hoopsandtalks@gmail.com. Tara, how can everybody find you? They can find me at TCB Biggs. Like you said, we're also on Twitter at Hoops and Talks. You can find this podcast in the Blazers Edge podcast feed. Uh, subscribe to that and you'll get the weekly podcast as well as the Hoops and Talks podcast and any other bonus stuff that we decided to drop during the week, which I'm hoping that we'll do a little bit more of. Thank you everyone for listening. We hope you have a great week and go Blazers!